we're also humble enough to know that healthcare is enormous and you're going to have to collaborate and work with other smart people to make a real dent. And so we're not, we don't think we have all the answers or that we're going to do this by ourselves. And so we're always open to collaborations. Hey, welcome back to another episode. And today I am so blessed to have with us Talha, who is doing a lot of really cool things. And we're going to dive right in. Talha, tell us who you are. And what do you do? Hey, Todd. Great to meet you. So um, I guess I'm a serial entrepreneur. I've been really lucky in my life to be able to be in several businesses that have been successful. I was trained as a computer scientist. Uh, and I was lucky enough to work at Apple a couple times, which was a trans- transformational experience for me. I was even lucky enough to work nice. with Steve Jobs um, in iMovie. And that, that was really a pretty amazing experience. Um, wow. And Very cool. Spent most of my time in San Francisco in the Bay Area. But uh, what I'm doing now is I'm doing a couple of things. But the primary thing I'm doing is I'm the founder and CEO of Spiral.Health. And we are a healthcare SaaS software platform. And what we're working on is trying to automate something um, that is really, really manual and is not, uh, not serving patients well, which is a tumor board. And a tumor board is where a set of doctors right now, they usually sit around the conference room table and they um, try to decide what the best course of action is. It's not a terribly data-driven yeah. decision-making process, and it's not collaborative. So Spiral.Health's kind of flagship product is an AI-enabled tumor board. And we, we just have the wow. MVP and beta up and running. It's a really, really exciting time at the company. And, and we think we can fundamentally change uh, healthcare and, and the way give doctors superpowers by, by having software and machine learning and AI help them make better clinical decisions. So I'm super passionate about this. Right. My, my mother died of cancer. And so this is really a, an important problem for me to solve. Gotcha. Gotcha. I was just going to lead into that. I was like, all right, th- there's a backstory here. Tell us <laughs> yeah. why this is important to you because most people don't jump from software into healthcare. <laughs> yeah. So I, you're right. I was very lucky. I was working in the Bay area. I was working on consumer software. I was working on internet software and kind of like catalyzing event for right. me that, that changed everything was that my mother got cancer, as I previously said. And when right. I was flying back right. and forth right. from San Francisco to Chicago, because that's where they were, I realized that like healthcare IT was in the stone ages and just kind of simple questions that we could ask in Silicon Valley about data interoperability and being able to receive data feeds was non-existent. Right. And so um, I kind of made a mental note, like, hey, I think I can solve this. I, th- these are problems that people like me can solve. Right. And what, what I learned was norm, normally the people, like some of the best computer scientists from the best schools, and I'm lucky enough to be one of those, immediately go to Silicon Valley and work at Google sure. or Apple or Facebook. And they're not working on health, healthcare sure, problems, sure. but healthcare is where you can really have a, a big impact on real people. And so that kind of changed my, this is my third healthcare company. Wow. I was extraordinarily lucky. The first, the first one that I was, um, you know, was very lucky. One of my, Biggest mentors hired me, and we were very lucky to sell that to United Healthcare. Nice. So um, I'm I'm a healthcare I'm a healthcare entrepreneur now. I think there's a ton of opportunity to make a real difference in real people's lives, and that's that's what excites me and gets me up. Every I day. love it. I love it. And and I got to tell you, there's a, there is a lot of movement going on right now in healthcare because I think the world recognizes, at least America recognizes, our healthcare system really sucks. And so when you've got all this technology and all these yeah. smart people who are facing healthcare problems, guess what? They're going to come up with solutions. 
And that's what I love about people like you. Um, and there's other people that I want to, I'm already desperate to introduce you to who are also been on the show talking about healthcare solutions that they've provided and are providing. I love to put a group of you together in a room and just say, all right, how can we help each other grow our products? Because this, this is awesome. Really, really cool. This is such, such a big problem. And me and my team, we have a, I'm very lucky to have a really strong team. Yeah. But we're also humble enough to know that healthcare is enormous and you're going to have to collaborate yeah. and work with other smart people to make a real dent. And right. so we're not, we don't think we have all the answers or that we're going to do this by ourselves. And so we're always open to collaborations with other folks. And, and listen up on that. For those of you listening who are not currently collaborating with other people, you don't think that anyone's going to steal your ideas because collaborations are how you all grow together. It's like putting yourself in the same boat and that tide's going to lift you all up together. I, I think this is awesome what you're talking about here. I'm so glad you brought the laptop. So I, it's required reading for everybody on my team now, but Rick Rubin, who is a music producer, wrote a book called The Creative Act. And in that, he talks about not competition, but collaboration. Yeah. And you're yeah. absolutely right. Ideas are so easy. <laughs> Execution is hard. And that's yes, certainly something we're going to talk about when we talk about scaling. And right. so I think sometimes entrepreneurs and other founders get too caught up that they have the best idea and they might have the best right. idea. But that's not how you're right. going to win. You're going to win by excellent execution. And so that's right. where you need to collaborate and learn from people who've done it before, know more than you. And people like sharing their ideas. That's what I they really I like do. doing that. And I like collaborating with others. Yeah. I love it. I love it. I used to be so scared to share my ideas because I assumed that everybody else was like me and just going to go execute on them right away. And, and what I discovered is most people are pretty focused on what they're doing. Not many people are going to execute. Yep. <laughs> And my saying is, if you hear my idea and you had to execute me, then you deserve all of the value creation <laughs> you got. <laughs> I love it. The execution is 100% the name of the game. <laughs> I love it. Ideas I love are it. cheap. <laughs> so, I love it. Yeah. That's a very, very good mindset. Now, now, now tell us, so, so the solution, dive in just a little bit deeper because a lot of people don't really understand what you're even talking about. You got tumors. You got oncologists sure. who need to look at those tumors. You got uh, radiologists that are performing the X-ray or the or the whatever the the type of 100%. viewing. Yeah, right. How does that so all work together, and what do yeah. you do? Yeah, really good question. So, for, first of all, this was really never possible to get all this disparate healthcare um, together prior to January 2023. Um, there's now a common standard called FIRE, um, Fast Healthcare Interoperability Resources, which allows um, every EMR has to be able to support this this format. And what this does is, I think it's it's akin to HTML and HTTP. It makes for the first time healthcare data interoperable from your clinic that your uh, emergency clinic you went to to right. when you were in Florida on vacation and you had to see a doctor to your primary right. care physician if you're oncologist. And right. so now, once we have all the data can talk to each other. Healthcare has really become, in many ways, a big data problem. If we can look at the data together, Massive. have smart people in, in a room, be able to collaborate on it and not be siloed, we can come up with better right. solutions. And right, this is, right, right. we've been doing this in fintech and social and lots of other, <laughs> in software engineering it's like, for a it's long like time. It's just new to healthcare. <laughs> it's so weird, isn't it? So, because we've been... We've been so overprotective with HIPAA requirements that that nobody was willing to share. Yeah, he came to see me at the dentist office three weeks ago. You know what I mean? It's like, come on. Like, how do we help solve a problem without knowing all the details, right? 
hundred percent. And just, just, I'm glad you brought up HIPAA because this is the, as I said before, this is the third time I've worked on a cloud-based uh, SOC 2 compliant, HIPAA compliant um, system. Right. You can do it. And we have an experienced team who knows how to do it. We take data privacy extraordinarily seriously. Um, right. And we even worked with Amazon to make the most secure multi-tenant system possible. So HIPAA is there for a good reason and it should be there. But should be. who's looking at this are the providers, the doctors, the oncologists. They need the best the data that need to, to make the best decisions. Yeah, yeah, they need the best data to make the best decisions. And so the, the, just having the data available is, allows us to do amazing things like we call it DORA, which is a, um, our AI tumor board. We have all the data now. We have wow. the MRIs. We have the lab results. We have the patient data. We have an historical timeline. And now right. they, you can look at that and make better decisions for the patient. Because our, our mission is really to better outcomes for the patients. And right. we feel like right. if we do that, the other stuff will come. So, And how are you seeing adoption? Makes on sense? Because I, I know that, yeah, it totally makes sense. How are you seeing adoption from the healthcare providers though? Because I know a lot of like hospital networks like to say, no, nah, sorry, if you're going outside a network, you don't get access to any of the data. Like they're really stupid like that. How do you how do you deal with those networks who are unwilling to participate? That's a good question, and um, I don't know if you want to get into the go-to-market strategy of our, of our early startup, but I would say that you start with um, individual healthcare systems or academic medical centers. I happen to live in Los Angeles, right. so Peter Sinai, or you might go to MD Anderson in um, Texas. Sure. So. You, those network, they are networks and networks and networks of hospitals. Um, so if you can combine right. those folks together, and that's how the purchasing works right. in healthcare too. So having all everyone, all the hospital systems talk to each other would be amazing. We're not there yet, and we're not trying to bite off that big right. uh, piece of the apple either. So I am so glad you're here, and I just wanted to take a few seconds to tell you about a program that we have assembled with a lot of our podcast guests and a lot of people who are listening to the show who are feeling the same way that they do. There's a recurring theme. You'll hear a lot of these founders talk about, I couldn't have done it without my team. I couldn't have done it without a, a support group of peers. I couldn't have done it without having someone to talk to that understood my feeling of isolation as an operator of my business. You see, you're not alone. It is hard running a business, and it's even harder when you know you can't express all your deepest concerns and frustrations with your executive team. It makes them nervous, it gets them scared. You don't want scared people on your executive team. So where do you turn? The Captain's Council is where you turn. The Captain's Council, it is an organization that we are put together with podcast guests, as well as people who are listening who are in the same boat. You see, peers are the only ones that can give you the type of empathy, the type of advice that only a founder or operator know and understand. Go check it out at captainscouncil.com. I know you're gonna love what you see there. We have put together an organizational structure that has small group settings, a global community of founders and operators, as well as monthly and quarterly in-person events. You're going to love what you see there. I can't wait for you to check it out and enjoy the rest of this episode. Right, right. Makes sense. Fascinating. No, it totally makes sense to me. And, and you know, I, I literally had a conversation with a woman yesterday um, on a she's, a, she's a doctor who's trying to, 
she's trying to revolutionize a lot of things in the healthcare. Another introduction, but but I'm just my mind has been spinning about this because you know there are a lot of a lot of great companies out there that provide healthcare benefits to their employees and and they are all seeing these benefits. But then there's this huge huge part of the population who are either self-employed or or work for a smaller company that doesn't have healthcare and they need they don't want to go to one doctor and then go to another doctor and have them retake all the x-rays and pay for all the, all this stuff. You're, I love the problem yeah, that you're solving. It's a, it's a real, pro, it's a real problem. And you know, these are pretty easy statistics that anyone can look up, but you know, the U S spends, I think per capita the most on healthcare and we right. don't, we're not in the top 10 on outcomes. And so um, that's a <laughs> wow. big systemic problem. I'm not trying to solve that today. Um, But, you know, we could be smarter, we could be smarter, and there's lots of smarter people than me working on healthcare equity. Um, I think that's something that I'm passionate about, but we're working on a a narrow problem to really give doctors superpowers so they can make better decisions. And the doctors Uh, are overworked, they don't have enough time, you know, so if we can help them by giving them a co-pilot, we'll have better outcomes for patients. I love it. I love it. All right. So now we know what you do. And why you're doing it, yeah. let's talk a little bit about how yeah. it's happening. Because, you know, and this might be a good time to introduce as well the fact that your Spiral Dot uh, healthcare solution is also kind of a sister company with, a, with an investment platform that you have, trying to help other startups, trying to, you know, you've, you've had some success. Sure. So tell <laughs> us a little bit about kind of how those two sister companies are working together, and then we'll, we'll talk about how you've been able to do it at Spiral Dot. Sure. So just, just to be for perfect clarity. So they're not, they're not sister companies. They happen to share the name because I like that name. And so my day job is I'm the founder and CEO of Spiral.Health. And we are an AI-enabled consumer board um, SaaS company for healthcare. And um, that's what we primarily do. What I'm also participating in a couple other things that are interesting. I founded an early stage VC firm that happens to be called Spiral.Ventures because I like that name. And what we work on is cool. early stage, early stage founders. We, we have, you know, eight or 10 portfolio companies that we work very closely with. We have experts in branding, in marketing, in finance, in SaaS, right. in tech. And so what we're kind of, we're more of a venture studio. We kind of bring our expertise, level up the executive team or help them source the, the usually in early stage. What happens is you might have a very yeah. passionate founder, but the second and third hires will make or break whether you're going to do it or not. And so we can often help totally. founders make, here's the CTO you should hire. Here's the CFO you need. Here's your head of product. And so that's, that's certainly something that I'm very passionate about, but that I also do. I love it. Love it. Um, <clears throat> I just wanted to bring it up because I know there's people listening who are like, yeah. okay, okay. I, I love the fact that A, You've had a successful exit and you're not just sitting around doing nothing. B, you're trying to solve a problem that's very passionate to you. And then C, you're also helping other people solve problems that they don't know how to get past in the growth of their businesses. I, from all, For all intents and purposes, you're one of those great figureheads that I look at who is giving back in ways that are benefiting causes and people that you care about. I love it. I really appreciate you saying that, Todd. It's a... Uh... You know, I'm standing on the shoulders of giants. My parents came from, uh, you know, almost nothing in India and crossed yeah. two oceans and really set me up for success. So uh, I, I owe it all to them. Love it. Love it. Love it. 
Well, that's what this podcast is all about too. So let's move forward and help in the cause. Tell us how things are happening because, you know, launching in the healthcare industry for most people is very intimidating. There's a lot of, of red tape to cut through to really try and have any solution that will be accepted in the healthcare community. How are you doing this? And, and times, but how does it work to, to launch something into healthcare? Yeah, well, um, you know, if you talk to any founder, or any serial entrepreneur, they'll tell you that each time is different. <laughs> and the right. things you thought were going to happen are always not the things that are end up being <laughs> obstacles. I will say right. it really helps to be to be working on my third healthcare startup. So I've right. you know worked on something that was sold to United Healthcare. I worked on an uh, artificial intelligence startup that helped find patients for clinical trials. Built that whole team, wow. rebuilt that whole product, um, and rebuilt their whole software architecture. And so that wow. really and if I'm those were learning experiences I've taken to now deploy as the CEO of Spiral Health, and that was very intentional. Yeah. I'm a pretty intentional person, and yeah. Ever since my mom died, I've been on a very specific, intentional path to be able to solve this problem. So, love it. You know, it's hard to say what you know, it. I haven't had this much fun since I worked at Apple and was lucky enough to work for Steve Jobs. This is the funnest job I've I ever love had. It. I wake up at five o'clock every day, ready. Love to go. it. <laughs> this is. I mean, I wish everyone could be as lucky as I. Seriously, am I, I love my job, but I. I I work a lot, but I don't. I don't feel like yeah. it. It's the funnest thing I've done in a lot. I love it. So, so partially because you love the cause, you have a very clear mission. Your intentions are are good, which all three of those things kind of help align a team behind you that's willing to jump on board with you and make it happen. I, I think that's a really, really critical part of what you just said. So, with that intention yeah. and with that with that movement going forward, yeah. What have been some of the highlights in launching Spiral Dot that you that you think have been fascinating to talk about? What What are the the awesome things that you've seen happen so far? Yeah, well, I'm I'm glad you brought up team because I happen to be the founder and CEO, but I couldn't do anything without the team that I have behind me. Right, and I have I am very fortunate and very lucky to have some of the smartest people I've ever worked with working for me uh, for Spiral Dot Health. And what's great is these folks this. Many of them, this is the second, many of them, this is the third startup they've followed me to. Wow. And I, I take that responsibility really seriously. These are some of the best computer scientists, machine learning experts, right. and software engineers and cloud engineers in the world. They can get a job anywhere they want. <laughs> and the fact that they're, they're joining me on this cause that they believe in and yeah. they want to have a big impact on is one of the things I would tell founders that... Picking the, the next set of folks is so important yeah, yeah. because that will set the culture, that will set um, the processes you're going to have as you go through growth and scaling. Yep. And it's also just going to, uh, there's something we learned at Apple about A players only want to be around A players. I know it's kind of an overused term, 100%. but it's true. <laughs> you want to have, if you bring in kind of people just to fill seats in the beginning, You'll never keep the talent that high. And You're right. We are vicious about only bringing in the best talent. And I'm really, really lucky about the folks that are, are willing to work with me. Yeah. They are A players all the way. Now, touching on that, because this is a, this is a big deal. I, I meet a lot of founders and a lot of people listening maybe in this boat where they raise maybe a Series A or they've got a big seed round or something. And they hire those first few players, right? They hire that first team. And, and oftentimes they hire yeah. A game players but they're very um, underwhelmed 
because they don't know how to really manage an A player. How have you been able to sure. take an A player and say, you know, let's go do this without having to be in their face all the time? Like, what does that look like for you? Yeah. And again, I'm, I, I just want to say how lucky I am to be, you know, when I got out of school, I was trained at Apple by some really, really smart people who really changed yeah. my career and my life. And what the kind of ethos is at Apple is hire smart people and get out of their way. <laughs> and, right. Um, uh, and so you have to have a, a lot of trust and you have yeah. to be willing to say that I hired someone and I don't care how they do it. They might do it different than me, but if they hit yeah. the goal, I don't care. And I will say yeah. I've worked with some other founders and other CEOs. Sometimes that's hard for them. And that's something that yeah. I learned very early in my career. Um, and, and I love it, man. I, I want to be, I, I want to be the, the least smartest person in the room. Otherwise I shouldn't sure. I'm in the wrong room. <laughs> right. Sure. And so, sure, sure. um, I think trust is a really big thing. Um, I think and it's then huge. understanding you have to set the culture from the top. So you have to yeah. set the example of what is accountability um, what, what do deadlines mean? Are these real? Exhaust? And so then that flows down, I think. And if you right. have that expectation and it's clear and you communicate clearly, that's what I found um, is the best way to motivate people. Give them feedback, positive and negative. People want feedback. There's a, you know, um, a direct correlation totally. between people being able to receive negative feedback and high performance. And so you want to have people. One of the things I learned in my career now is I used to always hire for horsepower. And what I found out yeah. is coachability is more important than horsepower. I like smart people, but if you're not coachable, it doesn't matter. I <laughs> so love that's it. I one, love it. one, one big feedback I would give to other founders is make sure the people you're bringing in on that next level are coachable and are, and are willing to listen to you um, on how you want to move forward. So get A players who know what they're doing. B, yeah. they're willing to be coached. And C, yeah. they have they have the inherent ability to also manage their own team without you having to jump over them and trying to to rescue them when they're not good managers, right? Hundred percent. You want autonomy. <laughs> if, if you're trying to do something big, you need autonomy. You need to give your. And I'll just speak for myself. Like I don't want to be micromanaged. Most really, most right. good people don't. They want to be given a a big audacious task and said, "Go figure this out." And so, right. if you're micromanaging. Right. I would say either take some management classes or, right, or you right. hire the wrong folks or you hire the wrong folks. That, that makes sense. It totally makes sense. And I'm going to follow it up with one more question because I think this is, I think this is really cool sure. coming from someone like you. So, so sometimes you have this amazing talent that is like the best at doing this one thing you hire and bring them in, but you already know they're a horrible manager. How do you keep this person happy and satisfied working in their own bubble, but having someone else kind of manage the team that supports that person so that you're not expecting them to do what they're not good at? You know what I mean? That's such a good question. And unfortunately, especially in the technical field, as I told you, I grew up as a software engineer. Oftentimes people who are really good at software engineering yeah. get turned into managers. And those are very different skill sets. Managing people is metaprogramming. Right. Managing people is metaprogramming. You're programming the programmers. That needs very different skills. <laughs> right. Than, and so um, I'll just say how we do it. We have very specific job functions and a job ladder and the management ladder and the IC ladder are completely different. And we allow people to, to, I love that. to pick and choose. But, um, you know, leadership, technical leadership and software leadership and people leadership 
they're just very different things. And mo- there are not many people who are good at both. They really are. And so um, I would say that right. on those things, you have to choose wisely because if you pick the wrong manager, you'll, you'll demotivate your whole A player team. <laughs> so that's a... Uh, the whole A player team. That's, that's exactly where I'm getting at. And I'm so glad you said that because this, this conversation, uh, Talha, is very, very relevant to any tech startup. Any tech and startup, I think that yep. you having been there, done that and grown and launched, I think this, I hope this is helpful for the listener because they, they tend to, to hire awesome coders or awesome programmers and they're horrible managers. And then they end up demotivating the whole team. And I've seen this over and over again. I think you have too. I have. And so that's why I'm asking these questions. I, I think that these challenges that people face in, in a tech startup are very, very common. And I think that your solution sounds like an amazing way to avoid, not only does it keep the awesome tech guy from, from being in that awkward position of dealing with people. Tech, tech guy or gal. We all know. <laughs> but yeah. yeah, some coders. <laughs> yeah, tech, tech guy or gal yeah. is not always a people person. Yep. You know, they don't, they don't really care. They just want to keep their heads down and keep their team moving towards the metric, right? And, and I think, you know, Tom, part of leadership is finding what people are best at and giving them as much opportunity to do those things. Obviously things need to get done that no one wants to do. And, and, and that's necessary. But like, if you think, if you, I always draw two, three circles, there's a circle of what needs to get done, what you're good at and what you want to do. And I try to maximize the center for all of my employees. So here's what we need to do. Here's what you're good at. Here's what you want to do. How can we, you know, that's my job as the leader to see how I can do that. Um, And I think, I love that. Um, that's one of my strengths. And I think that's why people follow me around because I, I was benefited so much from some mentors that saw strengths in me that I didn't see in myself that I really like part. The funnest part of my job is watching other people grow. And so I really take that really seriously. Right. Well, Taha, speaking of mentors, is there somebody you'd like to give a shout out to today on the episode? Because we, we love doing that. Who's someone that's influenced you and impacted you in a way that, that made you feel that way? There's, yeah, so there, there's two people that have really had the biggest impact my, on my career. One was very early and one was very recent. So the first one is Dr. David Elliott. He, um, my first job after Apple, I worked for him um, at a startup that we also had an exit to. And he was a, a Stanford right. PhD, a brilliant man. But he's the one who taught me people matter. You have to uh, understand how to motivate people individually. Everybody wants, some people need a pat on the back. Some people need a kick, a kick in the shins. Right. And he, he's the one who identified to me that I would be a good leader. I wanted to just be a coder sitting in the corner. And he said, no, Tala, you have a very unique skill set in Silicon Valley. People follow you right. and you can communicate all to, to executives and to coders. And so he changed the course of my career. And so big Love shout that. out to Dr. David Elliott. Lives in Seattle now. He was grew wine. He's like my idol. <laughs> and I love it. The, the, second pers- the second person that... Um, I wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for him, is Dr. Arvind Mova. So Dr. Arvind Mova was the founder and CEO of Dividos. He hired me to help run all of technology at, at Dividos. I was awesome. tech hire number one. He gave me an enormous amount of trust and latitude to help build the business Love that it. was his baby. Um, and it. he built an amazing C-suite there. And we were able to sell to United Healthcare, which was transfor- transformational for me and my family. And Love it. I have... Arvind taught me so much about healthcare and healthcare software and how you have to 
build solutions that work for providers. He was an amazing mentor. Yeah. And uh, I'm oh. so grateful that he uh, chose awesome me. Shout outs. <laughs> now, awesome shout outs. Now, awesome shout outs. And, and Taha, I, I can already tell you're having an impact on the people listening to the show. And I hope that this gets to, to the brunt of the problems that we're seeing in tech startups getting stuck that, that aren't progressing past a certain stage. I think that the, the things that you talked about today are going to help them. And I really appreciate you taking the time to be here with us today. And I, you know, as oh, I think about the pleasure. problem that you're solving, <laughs> no, hundred percent, the problem you're solving is so powerful and so amazing. And it's a beautiful thing. I don't know anyone who doesn't have cancer impacting someone in their lives. And I think that your it research has, right? and your product, oh, it's going to help so many people. And so kudos to you. Thank you for doing what you do and applying your skill oh, sets. I love it. Really been a pleasure, Todd. Um, I'll leave my contact information. If there are folks that want to reach out to me and learn more, always happy to collaborate with other folks. Of course. We'll stick it in the show notes. And please reach out. If you've got someone who should be connected to Taha, who's in the healthcare or in the startup in healthcare, that could use some, some rubbing of shoulders with someone who's done it, let's make it happen. And thanks you all for being here. Happy to. Taha, thank you again. Thanks so much. Thanks, Taha. It's been a pleasure. Have a good one. Hey, I hope you enjoyed that episode with Taha. He is an amazing guy. Uh, just loved my pre-discussion with him, the pre-interview and the post-interview. What an amazing entrepreneur. I love his backstory. I love how he came from nothing and just started to build and build and build into the type of man that he is right now. Giving back to the community, helping people inside and outside of healthcare, but also applying the lessons that he's learned into multiple different startup communities. Just love it. Tech starter guys are awesome most of the time. And so Talha, thank you again for taking the time to be with us. And for those of you who didn't hear part of what he said, one of the deep messages that I loved about him is that he had strong mentors. He had groups of people who guided him, helped him shape his entrepreneurial startup the way that he knew he needed to do that. One of them, great partners too. He had a great community of people helping him get to where he wanted to go. If you're not part of a community that's helping you build and grow and scale your business, you need to consider captainscouncil.com. Captainscouncil.com is where you need to go to check out the community that is built entirely around startup founders and business operators like you. If you run or operate a business of any size, come check out the solutions we're providing, both in the fact that we have intimate groups of CEOs and founders who talk about their challenges, build camaraderie, and help each other with solutions. It's like having an advisory board of active CEOs right now to help you solve your problems while you help solve theirs. It's a fascinating dichotomy of people, and we love the members of our community. You're going to love it too. And if you're not far enough along, guess what? We've got amazing content we distribute to our community for those that are part of our Founders uh, Launchpad and also on this podcast. If you're part of the podcast, like, share, subscribe. And this is the foundational point which we're providing value and it's free and we love you and we want you to learn and grow. So join us back on the next episode of the Growth and Scaling Podcast. And hopefully at some point you qualify to be part of our Captain's Council circle of leaders. Thanks so much. We'll catch you on the next one.